And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Kirby and we got the full squad on today's edition of No Dunks, Skeets, Tass, Lee, and the man making the magic happen, JD. We're all very excited because joining us on the show today is a first ballot NBA Internet Hall of Famer, the host of the smash hit show (laughs) NBA Desktop, the host of the smash hit podcast Binge Mode. He's currently crushing it with the Connect and moving to Crooked Media he won an Emmy, but he's not even a maester. Network and no dunks. They said it couldn't be done. Thanks for joining us. Jason Concepcion. So happy to I, have you on the show. So happy to be here. I just love to prove the haters wrong once again. I know they must be sick right now, and it makes me feel good. Yeah, sucks for you haters, but we got to bring you the classics every way we're going to do it. Unfortunately, today, we got to start the show with some sad news. Celtics legend. Tom Heinsohn passed away Tuesday at the age of 86. Most basketball fans now know Heinsohn as the color commentator on the call for Celtics home games, but the guy was a Boston lifer. Joined the Celtics organization 57 years ago as a player when he won Rookie of the Year. He made six All-Star teams, won eight titles in nine years, went to the broadcast booth for a few seasons before returning to the sidelines as a coach, where he won another two titles and a Coach of the Year after that back to the broadcast booth for 40 years of calling out corrupt referees, comparing every (laughs) shot blocker to Bill Russell, and basically inventing the term Homer. Celtic games, they're not going to sound the same without Heinsohn and his Tommy points. Our thoughts and prayers are with the Heinsohn family and the Celtics organization. Definitely a bummer way to start the show. Rest in power. Ultimate Homer. The (laughs) ultimate Homer. Uh... I would love to have earned a Tommy point back in the day. Uh, some Same. incredible clips have been going around uh, on Twitter. You can find them all on YouTube. There's a great Aaron Baines clip. I saw a great <laughs> Greg Steamsma one today where he was compared to the shot blocking timing of uh, Bill Russell. Didn't totally turn out that way, but uh, some great stuff to go back and listen to, no doubt. Jason, it's been a busy week and a yes. half. I couldn't believe. I looked it up. It's only been 11 days since you broke a whole bunch of news. It feels like 11 months, but it was Halloween weekend. You announced the series finale of NBA Desktop, the end of your legendary run with The Ringer, and that you're going to be joining Crooked Media later on this November. Then we had a full week of the election that won't stop, which culminated (laughs) in a tremendous Saturday. Joe Biden declared the winner. Rudy Giuliani holds a press conference at Four Seasons Total Landscaping. Jason... What have these last couple weeks been like for you, man? Uh, Honestly, just a natural evolution from the last year to year and a half where it feels like every day 10 to 12 jaw-dropping things happen (laughs) that in past years any one of 
these news items would have been something that dominated like the headlines for like a week. But now they just happen every day to the point where, I mean, you said it, it's only been since, you know, essentially Halloween. It's like every day I wake up and then by the time 5 p.m. rolls around, I think about, uh, you know, what what life was like when I when I woke up and looked at my phone and it feels <laughs> legitimately like two weeks ago. <laughs> if you were doing like a politics version of NBA desktop, that would have been hell, right? Because you guys would build the show and then like, you know, eight hours later, it's like, well, throw it out. Now something crazier has happened. Now we have to lead with that. It would be a nightmare. It would be really, it would be really tough. I mean, you just have to, you just have to play the hits. You'd have to go with uh, Four <laughs> Seasons Total Landscaping, just make the make the entire show out of that. I can't talk about that enough. Let me just say, <laughs> here in Los Angeles, I I know a lot of people that like write for you know television and and write for a living basically, and all of them are like, I would kill to have written that. <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. so perfect. I would chop off my hand if I could have created that. <laughs> but like, isn't the problem if you were in the writer's room and you pitched that idea, people would be like, come on, man. Like, no one's going to believe like, there's a force. No way. way. Come on. That's funny. I actually away. think, uh, actually, I, I think that the core joke of it, which is they thought they were booking the four seasons and the president tweeted that they were going to be at the at the four seasons mm -hmm. but then it turned out to be a landscaping company between a, a sex shop and across the street from a crematorium <laughs> i think that part of it is really really funny and then the l next level the levels to it is that giuliani gets the news that they lost that the election has been called for biden at that press conference which by the way his podium was just like on dirt next to a hose and beneath like <laughs> beneath like a chemical a, an explosive chemical warning sign and in front of a garage door that was just plastered with with campaign posters yeah, that part of it is that part is super funny i think uh i th i just just it's just incredible angelita burnett who's a tv writer she there was news that one of the uh, one of the people that was behind Giuliani is apparently like a convicted uh, criminal of some sort. Sex and she offender. was like that's sex offender and she was like that's what's called in the business a hat on a hat. <laughs> when, you put, <laughs> when you when you put too many things on top of the joke. And that is where that to me where is where if in the writers room you'd pitch that it would be like, well that's a hat on a hat. We don't need to go that far. <laughs> I like how in 2020 we're all living in the Zoom culture. The first photo you think of or the first background that you think of that people passed around will be the total landscaping background that everybody's putting behind them now. Because it, it is so widespread. That'll be the one that you think of. So it's nice to have that that connection to this it, it also time. feels so full circle to me because all i remember like from early trump was the photo of him looking at the kid mowing his lawn <laughs> right screaming yeah like right ah! yeah like yelling at him and like it's just like now we're ending yeah uh you know his term basically finding out that he will not be uh having a second term at this four seasons landscape i mean it's you can't write it you can't it, it's <laughs> you it's, you legitimately can't write it the fact that they just were like, yeah, let's go through the press conference anyway, despite the fact that it's in a landscaping company. And again, these are, this is, 
this is the crew that's running stuff. Yeah. 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 They got the codes. They could <laughs> launch the nukes if they wanted. They could right. call in SEAL Team Six and be like, go, go do a surgical strike on on whatever. The, they're they're running the show right now. And right. that and that's Giuliani, who just a week or so earlier was exposed on on uh, Borat as well, <laughs> like having his hands down his pants and then saying what he was get, getting his microphone out, and it's just like, and now he's seeing a press conference at the front of a dildo shop. Like, where, where does he go from here, though? I mean, talking about being at in LA with all those writers. Okay, so now what does he do? How can he top what he's done so far? I, I don't even know. You know, he was my mayor. So that's, you know, I, I'm from New York, mm-hmm. America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. He <laughs> famously was, um, you know, uh, a attorney general who t- was really instrumental in, in dismantling the New York mafia. And I just think, man, they the New York mafia must be absolutely sick that they got beat by this guy. They <laughs> 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 just like... <laughs> Look, it was look in the mirror like this. This is the guy. This guy took us out. What? They hit us with the Rico. This is ridiculous. What? What were we doing? I, that's the thing. They just weren't ready for the Rico. They didn't. They didn't understand the Rico. It, you know, Giuliani really kind of grasped what the Rico could do, and they weren't ready for the Rico. But it's not a great look to be beaten by this guy. Wow. <laughs> Not a great look for that guy, no doubt about it. Tough. Talking politics, look. though, you've said in your tweet, you said in your tweet you're going to be uh, joining Crooked Media yes. a little bit later this month. Is this what you're going to be doing with them, just hopping on uh, for a podcast and dunking on Giuliani? I think it would fit <laughs> well, a little bit. Uh, uh, no, I'll be doing, you know, I can't talk too much about it at this point in time, but I can say, like, all the things that you would expect uh, from me in terms of the brand I've est- I established at the, at the Ringer those things will I'll continue to do things in that vein. Oh, that's pretty it's, cool. I'm not going to I'm not just going to go I'm not just going to transition full time to landscaping news. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going <laughs> to yeah, well, leave the leave the composting to task. Right, that's his that's quarter. It. Yeah. Well, speaking of landscaping, something we discussed, do you think what do you think is the difference between landscaping and gardening? <laughs> that's a great I actually, well, I know the answer to this because I've I've, I've worked part time in landscaping as a, as a boy. <laughs> <laughs> so landscaping, as I understand it, gardening is just gardening, right? It's, landscaping uh, is the upkeep, maintenance, and design mm. of a property. Like if that's I'm right. putting in a garden, that's landscaping. If I'm just working in the garden. That's just gardening. Yes. Yes. That's what I believe as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also, as a young boy, worked in landscaping. <laughs> Congratulations. You passed the landscaping test. You can now hold a press conference at any of our fine locations throughout the country. I did Sounds it. Sounds like you might be the landscaper of Crooked Media, implementing and designing all Ooh. of their media. Wow. Sorry. Well, listen, Sorry. I hope to, I hope to, I just hope to do a good job. I, I'm just inspired by the, 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 you know, so many of the creative people in this space, you, you guys are, are up there for me just in the way you've kind of like created this lane for yourselves that did legitimately did not exist, <laughs> you know, before you guys did it. And, um, you know, just following in the, in the, in the, 
in the path that you guys hacked into the jungle. Well, we appreciate that. Why Why have you decided to move sort of from sports to politics? Were you just uh, sort of it's tired? Not, not that you just did sports. Still, right, I'm still being doing sports. I mean, you know, it, on, a, on a purely like general level, politics is a huge driver of conversation right now. I think that's... Mm-hmm. That's a, a thing every everyone can agree on. And on a, on a more personal level, it's, you know, I think like a lot of people, uh, I don't want to say radicalized, but I, I've just been really affected by the things that sure. have happened like in the last several years and, and the opportunity to kind of like uh, speak more about it or at least in doing the, you know, putting out the content that I'll put out mm-hmm. in some way uh, kind of you know, turning the needle for the good, mm-hmm. any small amount, I think is, uh, is something that sits well with me as a human being. Um, so I'm, I'm, that would be satisfying to do, to, to try and be like, uh, to, to have a platform to say things are absolutely bullshit when they are and <laughs> feel like, uh, that is somehow doing something whether it is or not is i think up for debate but to to be able to say hey this is this is absolutely ridiculous and bullshit and and think that in any kind of small form or fashion that it's making a difference i think is good awesome it is good best of luck man i hope thank you you very uh... much appreciate it yeah so you said you start you like officially sort of kick off you know what in the new year or before the new year what yeah like uh, towards the end of this year okay great Okay, good. Yeah. Crooked Media. I can't wait. I was I'm happy to hear, like you said, sort of what you've built, and kudos to you, and your brand, as you sort of called it, is going to sort of just, that's just going to continue in this sort of political sphere, which is pretty cool. That's correct. Awesome. That's correct. And you still got some projects going on right now. Phase one, I would say, of Binge Mode Marvel, right. which means, what, another 20, 25 movies left to go? I think yeah. you said you're continuing this as well. Yes, about that. I think we've got like, yeah, but like another 20 or so episodes, movies, plus some mailbags and stuff talking about uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and and, uh, some of the extended content, including drawing on the the comics lore, which I'm a huge fan of from, you know, when I was a kid to today, to this very day. Um, It's a, a thing that I really, a topic I love talking about um, and that Mal and I love talking about. How long? does one of those episodes take you? Because they're incredibly detailed, man. You guys are both amazing. It, it feels like I listen to it, and, you're, and the knowledge on both of you is through the roof with whatever you're talking about, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, and now MCU. It's like, how long does one of those take you guys? It takes, a, well, so just to talk about MCU, I started my rewatch like early summer of spring really okay um just to get it just to get the entire uh span of the mcu kind of back in my brain as and then started drilling down into the movies and taking notes and then from a week to week basis like um i'll watch the movie i'll take extensive notes on it then i i have a reading list that i compiled from back when i did my first rewatch of um, comics that I think really fit uh, wh- what the discussion is going to be and really seem to be uh, have influenced the, the movie in general. So like, obviously, if we're, if we're talking about Captain America Winter Soldier, I'm going to talk about the Winter Soldier arc. I'm going to talk about the, you know, his, um, I'm going to talk about Nick Fury vs. S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a, uh, 
early 90s kind of conspiracy-minded story about Hydra uh, taking over S.H.I.E.L.D. I'll reread those. And then once we get in the dock, that's like a maybe a two-day process of putting the dock together, um, creating the, the history segment, which is uh, called The Sanctum in, in this particular uh, series of the pod. And then we'll record it, we'll listen back to it and kind of fact check, make sure everything's right. Mm-hmm. And that we're not, we haven't canceled ourselves somehow. Um, <laughs> and then always a worry, yep. always a worry, always a worry. And then, um, and then we'll put it out. I, it's, I, it's hard to put it at an hour time limit on it, but I will say, you know, going back to uh, binge mode Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, these are spaces in which, um, that are pretty crowded. You know, there's a lot of podcasts out yeah. there. So the thing that we want to bring to it is just as much effort and care and attention as we possibly can on top of like the chemistry that we've built as, as hosts to get talking about a particular subject. So we just want to have, you know, every podcast, as I'm sure you guys know, is, is, is some combination of entertainment and information. Mm-hmm. So we feel like, if both of those meters are maxed all the way up, you know, you feel like you're getting as much information as you could possibly want. You, you're walking away feeling like, wow, I'm smarter for listening to this about this particular subject. And also that was a really entertaining way to get all that information. Then we feel like we've, we've done our jobs and, and we feel really lucky that, um, that the podcast has found an audience that people like it, you know, but we, I guess to answer your question in short, yeah, we put a lot of effort into it. Oh, absolutely. You can tell. And when you started the binge mode, like Mm -hmm. first series, did you guys like think like, Oh, we could then do star Wars down the line. We could then do, you know, Marvel movies down the line. Or was it sort of like, it just obviously caught on with everyone and was winning awards and stuff like that. Like, well, let's, (laughs) let's just do another canon. it was kind of that. I think by the time we got to, so the first one was binge mode Game of Thrones, and we were doing every episode um, through the sixth to through season six. So sixty episodes. I think by the time we got to like season five, uh, we knew that we had kind of like hit an audience, and mm. we had found an audience, and then. The finale of that run, you know, the 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 response we got was really strong, and so we knew we had we'd kind of like found our tribe, so to speak. And that's when we begun thinking about, okay, what are other stories that we love and that we would love to talk about? So Harry Potter immediately came to mind. Star mm-hmm. Wars immediately came to mind after that. So it it was kind of like we responded to the response. Gotcha. I um, can you convince me that the Mandalorian is good? Because <laughs> um, I can't stand this fucking show, and I keep watching it. Is it is it the fact that Baby Yoda was like eating the the endangered children of a of a frog woman this last episode? <laughs> just cold blooded, just eating the eggs, yeah. being told numerous times not to eat the eggs. It's a part of it. It's a part of it. It's just also like I swear to God, I keep watching them, 
and nothing really happens. Like, in the arc of everything, it feels like nothing happens. Yeah, there's a little story about Baby Yoda eating an egg and there being a giant spider chasing them, but that it doesn't really... I don't know. It's just like nothing of the entire arc, I feel like, doesn't happen. Am I wrong? I think... No, I think that you're not wrong in the sense that these are all bottle episodes that take place in a wider canon that uh, is extremely planned out. Mm. And the central pan- planning for Star Wars as an IP is... is you know, really important and uh, rigid in the sense that nobody's going to let you change anything or create okay. anything or kill anyone <laughs> that could possibly be used for anything else, you know, in the extended uh, series that that's that spanned from this IP. Okay. That said, uh, you know, I love Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. When I watched it uh, earlier in during quarantine, during all the chaos and things that have been going on, for me, I just want to spend time with Baby Yoda, and I I really appreciate right now a show that's just like, look at this, look at this little cute alien. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. You're, you know you're not wrong. I mean? This guy yeah. is cute. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just like, hey, let's not think too too deeply about it. Look at this little cute alien. <laughs> he's gonna get in a little bit of trouble, but not too much. Nothing's really gonna happen to him. He's gonna he's gonna just uh, waddle around looking cute. He's gonna eat some eggs. That is absolutely horrendous. Yeah. That said, but that's the frog lady's fault also. This <laughs> precious cargo that you have, right? You're traveling all this way, sublight to rebuild your your line, your genetic line. You gotta keep an eye on that vat of eggs. You yeah. cannot let it out of your sight ever for any reason. Why was she having eggs. a bath? Yeah. She's having a bath. <laughs> I, I know it's you cold get, there, but come on. You gotta keep an eye on the eggs. You gotta keep them around you. Why are you bathing randomly without telling anybody? And that's the other thing. These people, you know, the Mandalorian's here to protect you. Not just taxi you, but hopefully protect you as well. You can, if you're going to wander off into some random cave to take a bath, just be like, "Hey, I'm going to I'm going to go take a bath and and soak my eggs in a random pool." Um, I, okay, so, so I put it I put it on the egg I put it on the frog lady a little bit. Okay, but I was truly horrified by Baby Yoda's actions. <laughs> in this last Let the record show. Okay, good, good. Yes. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're also in the middle of season two of your podcast, The Connect. Do you ever feel bad beating Shea? All the time. I mean, he's a pretty smart guy. He dominated our trivia show here. Mm-hmm. He was great on Pop and Packs, but I think I saw the scores. What eleven to three right now? I think it's eleven to three, and Oof. and at least two of those are absolute 
travesties <laughs> of justice. What, uh, did someone did someone need to stop the count early or something? Is that, that what's going on? Well, I'd say the, so <laughs> the last week's episode, one of the so we have this category called connection contest where we compete to see who can come up with the most uh, connecting details from each of our movies, and. Uh, so, for instance, one of my uh, connecting details was um, in our particular movies, both movies have uh, have characters that are sisters and the sisters have completely different personalities. Great. Then Shay comes up with uh, there's water in the background. The movies were, I should add, <laughs> Wedding Crashers and 10 Things I Hate About You. Shay comes with there's water in the background of the scene, which is just like... What do you talk like? That's just like saying there's they're breathing air. air. In, yeah. yeah, they're breathing <laughs> air. And Steve Steve Allman, our super producer, incredibly diligent producer, who we put through hell every single week to create this show, was about to rule in my favor, but then Shay talked him into ruling into his favor. Oh boy! And then as soon as he. As Steve eliminated me, Shay then, in hilarious fashion, flips on Steve and went, "I can't believe that you actually did that and listened to me." <laughs> like the like the scorpion stinging the frog in the back. It was truly incredible and an absolute travesty of justice. Justice that I will I will never forget. Honestly, the hardest thing about that podcast is um, Shay accuses me of crimes every every podcast. <laughs> I made the. Uh, mistake of telling a story of how I was fired from a convenience store in college because the manager accused me of uh, of taking a burrito without marking it out. <laughs> yep, yep, I've heard this Mar- on the Connect podcast, yep. And let me just say, first of all, I'm innocent of all charges. But he called me into his office and it was like a cop movie. Like I came in and as soon as the door closed, he had this like... He had like a clipboard and he slammed it on his desk and he went, how long have you been doing it? <laughs> like really aggressively. I was like, what? And then he accused me of, of, of taking the burrito to which I would say this place is covered in cameras. Where's, where's the video? Where's the video evidence? Anyway, I was fired for that. And Shay, every, every episode accuses me of doing it. And he has his lackeys in, on social media, his minions, <laughs> accusing me of committing that crime, and I'm innocent. Wow. I, I, I will not stand this, these slanders to my reputation. Yeah, and you can't because, you know, look, you're going into, you're going to crooked right. media talking about politics. You might get actually into politics. You can't have that on the record. I can't have, I can't have that kind of slander on my record. No. My record is clean. <laughs> I have never stolen a burrito or any kind of food stuff, and I'm unaware of of any missing burritos that have occurred during my time at any particular uh, convenience store that I have worked at. Sounds like Shay's projecting. I'm, I'm just putting him in the Donald Trump seat. I'm calling him for stealing burritos himself, and he's projecting it on you as the mm-hmm. burrito stealer. I I, it's, I don't want to I don't want to go there. You said that I, I didn't say it, it. I can do it. but I am not disagreeing. I'm just sitting here listening to that. He often tweets how Mexicans are perfect, and he puts a photo out of what he's eating, and there's often yep. a burrito there, yep. so oh, he has some true. burrito Whoa! bias. <laughs> Listen, I, it's very compelling. It's a compelling case you're putting together. <laughs> Usually with a cup of big red. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It could be a big orange yeah. face. All right, I got nothing. 
Yeah, he's got the <laughs> FOH army. We've got the Tweet of the Week army. Let us know if there's anything you can do uh, to help out your cause. Oh, God, that'll be like a Game of Thrones scene there. <laughs> those two I've armies the, coming together. There must I've be a bit that. of overlap, though, in those two groups. Oh, I'm, sure there is. I'm sure there's overlap. <laughs> so we mentioned it earlier. You just finished up NBA Desktop. We yes. got to know, what's it like to win an Emmy? Oh, it's, uh, as I've said before, it's an honor just to win. Um <laughs> It was really amazing. Like, uh, getting nominated, first of all, was absolutely incredible. And then sure. winning it, um, in the moment, you don't feel that anything has, has really changed. You know, when you're there amongst, like, all these people from ESPN and NBC Sports and CBS Sports and ABC Sports and Fox Sports, you know, with these huge budgets that are doing stuff, um, it kind of feels like you got away with one at the same time, you know, at, at, on that evening, there was just so many people that, that talked to us afterwards. Um, Eric Rideholm is, is one who's pre produced mm -hmm. producer of PTI and, um, various other shows, uh, across ESPN's platforms. He was like, you, it's going to change for you guys in terms of the way you're perceived within the industry. And that has really been true. You know, it, um, we just try to put out the best show that we could week after week. But what really changed is um, you have a, you have a level of legitimacy mm -hmm. once you win one of those, um, which I, I don't think I appreciated until, you know, you're in meetings with people and like someone's introducing you as like Emmy winner and you're like, Oh yeah, we did do that. That's kind of cool. <laughs> sounds not cool. That, not, yeah. It sounds, it's definitely sounds cool in a meeting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was it was really amazing. Like I still to this day can't can't believe can't quite believe that it happened. We shook Scott Van Pelt's hand. He was very nice to us. <laughs> That's awesome. Um yeah. and like you said, you're just trying to put out the best show. There's been so many incredible yeah. moments from NBA Desktop. I, I don't know exactly how many episodes you ended up doing. Do you have a favorite moment from the show? Oh wow. It's over a hundred. I know that we we blew past a hundred and didn't realize it. And, uh, <laughs> Whoops. So we were like uh Dylan Berkey, one of our production assistants, told us and so we had this plan in the in our back pocket that we would like just drop the hundred like this hundredth episode extravaganza, even though we were on like a, on like one fifteen or whatever. <laughs> um we never got to do it. I I would say my favorites are the uh, the Disney episode for the bubble going into the bubble where we uh, did our whole show as a Disney musical taking songs from various, uh, you know, animated Disney movies and repurposing them for the bubble. That was really fun and, and just um, great because we got to have some of our favorite people singing on that. Um I would say the uh, Mellothon, which was I think first <laughs> first season or second season, which which is when we were raising money to uh, to buy out Mellow. That was great. Uh, when we did like a kind of true crime thing on Kevin O'Connor getting locked inside. Oh, yeah. oh that's Arena. one. Of, that's one of my favorites Very by far. far. I think well that's done. actually one of our lowest viewed ones. But honestly, every <laughs> it just cracks me up every single time. Because, not because it didn't happen, but because it just kind of proves to you how easy it is to poke holes 
in a story that's true. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we just found so many funny things that, like, didn't quite line up. Even though the story is absolutely true, we were just sure. like, well, it, first of all, not, look, look, this fence doesn't line up with the fence that Kevin described. And we just went point by point debunking Kevin's story. Uh, that, was, that was a really fun one. Uh, you know, we've done not like desktop, but obviously skits before in our yes. long history of this show too. And uh, again, we know how much work goes into something like that. And to, for you guys to pull off a lot of those unique things every week is pretty impressive. Were there times though? Can you can be honest with me? Like where you come up with the idea, it's pitched, maybe you shoot it, and then you're putting it together, and then everybody's like, "Oh God, I don't, I don't know about this one." Like, did things you know see the cutting room floor basically? Yeah, that's happened before. Yeah. Um, I, but honestly, not that much. We we got lucky. There was a couple things that we had cut because maybe the idea wasn't quite baked in terms of like which direction the 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 comedy, so to speak, was like punching. Mm-hmm. Like we did one on um, on Officer Alan Strickland, who is the uh, Alameda Sheriff's deputy who um, who is currently trying to sue. Masai Ujiri for assault, even mm-hmm. though the, the body cam shows that that is clearly not the case. So we did a thing where uh, we just roasted him with hilarious names, or we thought hilarious names, you know, for like <laughs> a, a full minute of just like names, like uh, The Shield's Michael Dickless and, uh, you know, Law and Order Special Sandwich Unit. Like we just went on and on, right. but then it, when when it came out, it wasn't. We were like, okay, now it just seems like we're making dick jokes. We have to make it clear that the joke is that uh, when he compared stopping Masai from coming on the court to like stopping the Munich massacre, that that's like actually you go beyond parody at that yeah. point. So all that's left is just to shit on this guy. So we delayed it a week and we reworked it as like a quicker thing. And there's other stuff that we've that we did where it was like, you know, oh will James Dolan sue us if we go at him this hard in the paint? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> yeah. but in terms of like the stuff like straight out not landing, it didn't happen too much. And that was really just Having some really talented people around us that we that we work with a lot, Tyler Parker, who's um, he often played Alan Strickland and other people throughout our run, you know, and just having access to um, some really really funny people here in LA that we, that we could call on to mm-hmm. like help us with stuff just really helped. But yeah, that that does happen on occasion where you're just like, oh, I guess this isn't this wasn't as funny as I thought, or the way we would need to execute this for it to be funny is just way beyond what we're able to do right Right. now you know for sure sticking with desktop uh i know trey kirby made an appearance once on desktop honestly i want to apologize to you i feel like i i've thought for two years that i botched my spice no i I learned something valuable that day never bring up the phoenix suns because even if it's a good line nobody cares nobody cares about the (laughs) phoenix suns I think Steve Kerr had let uh, their players coach and like get, like Draymond Green was holding a clipboard or something and everybody's like, oh, this is so disrespectful to the Suns. Even I couldn't get that fired up about it. Um, but luckily now that the show's over, I can live with that regret for the rest of my life. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask you, I guess it's not going to be Trey Kirby as your answer. What's the spiciest take ever shared on desktop oh in your God. opinion, Jason? Yeah. I know that's the a tough spiciest? one maybe. Um, I mean, like... Tyler Tynes, I think, 
has given various versions of Larry Bird wasn't that good. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty spicy. Which is like pretty wild, but also, you know, like not, it was pretty tongue in cheek. Yeah. I would say that that is probably the spiciest. Mm-hmm. Um, that happened on our show too. Uh, Lee Ellis said Larry Bird was a streaky shooter and hated himself for it. So it was the opposite. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, Yeah, we couldn't let that go to air. We had to reshoot that. I was just I could I just couldn't. Yeah, why did you say that? It was the weirdest thing. Uh we were we were all star weekend, I think we're it was. We're talking about a three point shooter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and I was talking about Larry Bird and I said, you know, he was a bit of a streaky shooter throughout his career. I was like, no, there's no way I can put that out on the air. So I threw a tantrum on set so I knew that we would have to reshoot it and we did. <laughs> Fortunately, uh that one that one never saw the light of day because I would I would retire immediately from any sort of basketball coverage if that ever got Tyler Kynes would have loved that. Yeah. I like sure. see I love I love stuff like that because to me like you know listen, you know, it's Syrian sports media takes are are part of the currency of of what we do, you know, mm-hmm. you take a position on something, you're right or you're wrong, which is really less important than the conversation that that position generates, right? Mm-hmm. So for us spice was like what is the absolute wildest position that you can take that you can then justify rhetorically, almost like a debate exercise, you know, mm-hmm. whether you believe in it or not, can you actually justify it? Um, and to me, that was what was fun about the exercise. So to me, like, honestly, the, that, the more out there, the better for me. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, Trey, you were there so you can speak to this. Desktop. It's like filmed in a, it was filmed in like a closet, wasn't it? (laughs) First season was a closet. Uh, We won the Emmy. We got uh, upgraded to like a little, uh, you know, those rollout walls. Yeah. So we got, we moved onto the bigger stage and we basically had a fake closet that was just two walls with the background on it. So that allowed us to have a little bit more leeway and, um, have some better camera angles. You know, when we were in the closet, the hardest thing was was trying to look at the person that we would have in the room yeah. while and find the camera angle that worked because we were legitimately just on top of each other all the time. The closet it was so ridiculously small, I can't even describe it to people. One of the bits that we wanted to do at one point was have, like, do a late-night um, talk show thing where we have a full band you know, full late night band <laughs> yep. playing, but like in the closet. So they'd be like, hey, it's NBA desktop with Jason Concepcion. And I would come in, you know, we'd have a full audience in the room and a full band. And I'd have to like climb over the drums or whatever to like get to the desk. We never quite got to do that, but it was, it's one of my regrets that we never got to do that to really just kind of like play into the, the, the the tininess of the space. And so then after that, once we got into quarantine, I used a green screen to kind of recreate our background. Right, right, right. And my final question with desktop, you said you were worried at times like, "Uh oh, maybe Dolan's going to want to sue us. Did you piss anyone off, Um, you know, out there in the uh, sports media world or a player or coach? I heard that I heard that Woj was mad. Oh, (laughs) I heard that. I did hear that through the grapevine of people that I know at ESPN were like, I think Woj is a little mad at you. I'm not, I think that he, I, th- I'm i not sure exactly what it was. I think one of them was at the, during the, uh, <laughs> during the All-Star game in Charlotte. <laughs> I yelled, um, 
I yelled something to the effect of, uh, you know, when's the something like when's the last time you talked to your son Shams or something or like <laughs> or like what did your son get you for Father's Day something like that. But then again, but again, that to me was. Uh, that was me complimenting Woj yeah. because he is the the master of the of the of the nuclear Woj bomb. Right. Um, and any time that I've talked about Woj, I feel like in my mind that I am acknowledging his primacy as just the number one newsbreaker, basically a god in NBA circles, who we all absolutely must worship. Now, I he might have taken it the wrong way. And there was a period of time when I was saying stuff like Woj, um, you know, smack me over the head with a folding chair and and choke my life out away, you know, like something like that, or like Woj, drop a cinder block on my chest. Um, and I think he might have thought that I was making fun of him when really, Woj, Mr. Woj, I was... <laughs> It was nothing but a expression of my utmost respect for you as a newsbreaker and as as the hegemonic force that you are within NBA Twitter. <laughs> Man, this guy is getting into politics for sure. He's just clearing <laughs> the air on everything. I love it. I'm glad I asked that question. That's fantastic. Woj is a, an awesome guy, too. I'm sure... I'm sure that story got a little blown out of proportion. Oh, he's mad at you. Yeah, come on. I, I heard I it from, I heard it from some... I, that's true. I heard it from yeah. some reputable sources. Do you? I don't know if you guys remember this, but the first time I met you all was at a uh, was at a was at a New York event that you guys ran. It was like a meetup, and Woj was there. Yeah, he was. Our and guest. I was just yeah, and I was just like tweeting at the time. Like I was I was not a person at that particular time. I was just like a person on Twitter. And I remember Woj was the first uh, human being that I ever saw in person who had like three phones. He had like, he was juggling <laughs> yep. like all these yep. phones yep. and he had like two phones open and was like typing in one and they'd put one away. And I was just like, wow, Woj, holy shit, there he is, it's Woj. <laughs> we were recording a live podcast with him yeah. and he was juggling the phones while we were it talking was, to him. And Amir Blumenfeld was the other, uh, yeah. the other guest that night. Wow, okay. I did not know you were there. I don't think I, I knew was that. there. I was oh, there. Fantastic. What was the name of that place called? Does anyone remember? Frog or oh. something? Fr Turtle Bay? Turtle Bay. Turtle Bay. Turtle Bay. Yeah. Turtle Bay. Good call. Good call. Great turnout. Shout out to New York. Perfect segue as well. Jason, yeah. you're a Knicks fan. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm a Bulls fan. I'm just thankful that the Knicks are such a disaster. The Bulls <laughs> slide right on by. How First dare you? Question. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's beautiful. Two of the teams in uh, the hugest markets in the entire league. Just completely incompetent, but luckily your team is even worse. First That's question true. I want to ask you about the Knicks. When is the last time you saw Eddie? The movie Eddie? Yeah. Oh, man. It's been a minute. It's been probably, it's been over a decade for sure. It's just too painful, honestly, to to <laughs> to pretend that the Knicks were relevant, even in fiction. Like, just be good, guys. Just... You, the team has the worst record in the NBA over a 20 year span. Like that's incredible that and, wild. Sh and should not happen. Like it's one thing to be bad for stretches. Like, I think you could argue that with the bulls, right? They had, they had um, some nice moments under Thibodeau and Der the Derek Rose years. And, and you know, there was some bad luck there, 
But that's within living memory. That was not like a million years ago. You know, and, and certainly yeah. there's been mismanagement since. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, and the, the previous coaching regime uh, was an absolute disaster. Uh, the Garpax years, not covering themselves in glory. That said, you make mistakes sometimes. When you're bad for two sh- full decades, and the only times that you were good were really these kind of weird blips like Lynn Sanity and then the time that, you know, they put 40-year-old Jason Kidd, Rashid Wallace, and a bunch of other people around uh, Mello and decided to shoot threes and, and like, stumbled onto small ball. Uh, that's basically it for 20 years of Knicks basketball, those two seasons. So... It's been it's been very tough, and it's hard for me to engage with stuff like Eddie, where where in the that fictional world the Knicks are good and mean something. <laughs> it's very hard. Well, don't worry about it too much. Eddie is not available on any streaming service. Wow, I'm convinced it's because at the end they man, they they all come and they occupy Madison Square Garden. They have right. everybody out there on the court yeah. forcing the owner to sell the team. I'm convinced that the reason this isn't on streaming services, they don't want to give anybody any ideas. I mean, look, you you act like that's a conspiracy when I think that that's not that far fetched. <laughs> right. You know, like Dolan is is you know extremely connected in the, in the media world. Former sure. board member of Live Nation, like he, he controls the the most important live venue in America, like. <laughs> There's a reason why his band opens for the Eagles, and it's not because they're good. You know what I mean? <laughs> because they're great, Jason. <laughs> okay, you're right. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, you, should, you should have tried to get JD in the straight shot to be the uh, house band for uh, NBA desktop. That, he probably would have taken that gig. Honestly, it, it, I would have tried. I, I would have tried. Uh, if he, uh, that's a person that I think probably is mad at NBA desktop. Anyway, uh, you act like that's a conspiracy. I think that they're. I, I wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't put it past Dolan to be like, get that. I don't want that. I don't want that around. He's extremely <laughs> prickly and uh, does not does not take criticism uh, lightly. No, mm-hmm. no, that's probably uh, probably true to some extent. Lee, what were you going to ask him? You're uh, a big Knicks fan. Yeah. So uh, that night you talk about when we all met for the first time in New York. Yes. I remember I remember talking to you um, about the Knicks, and it was just after the Al Harrington era. In New York. <laughs> what an era. <laughs> what a lively conversation that must have been. Like, but your, your level of frustration was just off the hook because uh, you talked about him dunking to get the tech foul uh, to lose a game. And then he uh, did it twice. He did it twice. And then, and then a couple of weeks later, he was ringing the bell to open the Wall Street, uh, the Dow Jones on Wall Street. <laughs> like, <laughs> so this was so this was the D'Antoni era, and you know every every win was an important win, and Al Harrington, the Knicks were playing the Clippers, and it's coming down the wire, close game, and Al Harrington dunks the ball. And hangs on the rim, like alone by him, and hung there. And so they teched him up. Knicks lose the game. Knicks go to Los Angeles to play the Clippers, and he does it again. It's hard to it's have a odd. signature move these days. It's he did it twice. He lost the Knicks two games for hanging on the rim. Against the same team, it just you can't make it up. It's unbelievable. Also, 
You guys may remember this. Al Harrington had a chimp. Do you guys remember this? <laughs> he did? No. I know Mike Miller had a monkey. I didn't know Al, Right. Al, Mike Miller's monkey, I think, was like a, a one of the smaller monkeys, and I believe his monkey used to ride his dog around the neighborhood. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So, But Al Harrington had a chimp, and I don't know what happened to it. I've been trying to find out. But I remember during this time, it was like the era of uh, Al Harrington had briefly talked about his chimp but then there was no news so during this whole time when al harrington was frustrating me so much i was also trying to find out what happened to his pet chimp i'm gonna look it up really quickly while we're talking <laughs> <laughs> yeah now i gotta know yeah now, now gotta we gotta know. see what's up with this thing uh, al harrington here's uh, sb nation 2011 al harrington has a smart chimpanzee <laughs> and there he is with it that uh, I don't know what happened to the chimp. I'll just say that I've I've wondered all this time. And Al, if you're listening, please get at us and, and let us know what happened <laughs> well, to the chimp. Let us know for sure. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man and the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Some spice I remember uh, from the desktop days. I think it originated on the Ringer NBA show, but she brought Kevin O'Connor over. And this was when <laughs> things were falling apart for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And he says, I would fire Tom Thibodeau today. Today! It sounded insane at the time. It he did. was completely right. Now Tom Thibodeau is the coach of the Knicks. How do you think? What do you think about this new Knicks brain trust of Leon Rose and William Wesley and Thibs coaching? Well, they have yet to do anything for me to judge them on. Sure. So I'll say that it's it's positive in the sense that, you know, William Wesley, obviously super connected. Leon Rose, obviously a super connected person. One would assume that they understand uh, the way the Knicks are perceived um, in the wider NBA you know, community and that hopefully they have open eyes about that and a reality based about that and are, and are uh, dedicated to, to changing that. Uh, because I think that's really important. You know, one of the, one of the things I think has kind of bedeviled the Knicks over the years has been this idea of, Oh, we're New York. 
you know, it's incredible. You come here, we'll build a statue to you if you win. Players can't wait to play her, yada, yada, yada. And I think that's not necessarily the case. Um, hopefully, Leon and, 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 and World Wide West will kind of, uh, you know, be more be more smart? be more smart about the way they approach free agency and approach their relationship with players. Right. That said like, you know, I don't know how many times we've been through this. It's like, oh, it's a new regime, it's a new day. We're going to we're going to build the right way. We're going to build from the ground up, blah 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 blah. Let's see it. I'd like to see it. Um I want to see them do it. I want to see them manage uh, the cap the correct way. I want to see them not uh, throw big money at stupid players. You know, I think that there have been a baby steps in the right direction, even last season, which was not a good season, but at least the players they signed, Julius Randle, et cetera, were not signed to these kind of like crippling contracts. They were signed as a way to kind of, you know, have an asset that you could then move mm-hmm. and you're not tied into, uh, assuming those players played well. So that was good. And they weren't giving up uh, picks the way they have in the past, which is also a good sign. Um, for Thibodeau, you know, he was, I criticized him similarly in, in Minnesota. I think that he would even say that his, if he had a failing, it was like not really communicating well with his players. That's aside from playing them like 41 <laughs> minutes a game, which I think is just a thing that he's going to do. I've talked myself into it because I'm irrational. I think that, um, you know, if you look at the, if you look at the advanced numbers, I think you can you can say pretty fairly, okay, Thibs moves the needle in terms of his offense. He's a good coach offensively and defensively. He makes a difference. Um, in terms of communicating with the players, hey, that's why we have Leon and, and World Wide West now, right? So hopefully there'll be um, a better uh, flow of communication from coach to player and up to the front office. And in terms of playing players too many minutes, these guys are all young. You know, like, (laughs) what can I say? They're all young. They want to play. They're all young and they need the reps. So um, I'm pulling for him. He's not the guy I would have chosen off the bat, but I've talked myself into it. But are you nervous? Chris Paul's a certainty then to go to the Knicks for two firsts and Mitchell Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's the question. Are you nervous then this summer? Because the Knicks have a lot of cap space in a free agency that doesn't seem to be that enticing, are they going to uh, end up pulling the trigger on something silly? I hope that they don't do that. <laughs> I, I, I ardently hope that they don't do that. You know, there's been a various things bandied about, deals for CP3, et cetera. Listen, the Knicks haven't had a point guard that's worth talking about since Stefan Marbury and, I don't know, like three weeks of Jeremy Lin. Um. And that has been a really difficult thing and one of the grand failings of this organization, you know, in, a, in an era that is the most point guard laden era in NBA history, I think you could argue. The Knicks have struck out time and time again in, in trying to find a point guard. So I hope that they, I just hope that they manage their their resources in a smart way, which is a thing they haven't done in the past. Yes, I'm worried that they'll spend big money, but like, <laughs> you know, I, I think that the, I think that the, I think the moves they made last year, you could argue for them. Um, they didn't, again, they didn't cap themselves out. They didn't handcuff themselves to to deals that were overly onerous. And they've managed to hold on to their draft picks. So just keep doing that. Nobody's expecting anything from them this year <laughs> except to develop the players that they have and draft yeah. well. You yeah. know, So just continue to do that. Is there anyone 
with that number eight pick that you would like to see them take? I mean, you talked about needing a point guard. Maybe they move up. Uh, are you? I don't know. Are you a are you a college guy? Are you following? Uh, you know, Kevin O'Connor's big board. What do you got there? Yeah, I follow it as much as I need to in terms of um, understanding who specifically again the point guards are in this draft i'd love to see them take a point guard i think tyrese maxey considering the kind of like kentucky links that the team Mm -hmm. already has seems like a player that they might take uh killian hayes Mm -hmm. do they want to go french again (laughs) Uh, (laughs) double french nice double french do they want to do they want to go double french again i don't know but that's that's another player they might take a take a shot at I'd like I'd love to see them draft a point guard you know and I think down down at the bottom end of the top 10 is you can take some shots because it's such a weak it's such a weak and strange draft that let's just draft the best available point guard and see what happens sure and uh, before we move on to the Knicks move on from the Knicks I should say what's your take on these leaked jerseys these uh, City Never Sleeps, New York Knicks, circular, sort of a gradient, uh, black. Um, well, what do you think of these things, if they are, in, in fact, real? Um, it's hard for me to believe. You know, I think that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I think that it's... <laughs> I don't know. I don't love the tie-dye look. Yeah. I think that's weird. I need, like, strict colors, like color bands of color and and hard demarcations between colors that's just like what i like as design um i don't hate the circle okay city never sleeps new york city thing that's fine i like this better than the leaked nets jersey not to just fire strays at them um but i don't actively hate it so i guess there's that (laughs) <laughs> the lowest bar imaginable with the yeah. New York Knicks and Jason. I don't actively hate it. Therefore, hey, it's a win in the Knicks land. I love it. Yeah, as long as you don't hate it, the Knicks are moving in the right direction. <laughs> yes, Whether right. it's from uniforms or to yeah. front office personnel or players out on the court. As long as you don't botch it, things are great. Yes, that's absolutely the case with the New York Knicks. What a, what a, what an incredible two decades it's been. <laughs> Well, we're not totally done with the Knicks yet, I hate to say it. We're going to play a game called Start, Bench, Cut. You know what it is. I'll give you three choices. You let me know. Let us know which you're going to start, who you're going to bench, and who you're saying, get out of here. Starting with the Knicks. One of my favorite categories of player the Knicks have is the one-hit wonder. Somebody who becomes Hmm. massive only as a Nick. Somehow they get talked up as being able to be a, a great player the coming season. And then we never hear from again. <laughs> so start bench cut these Knicks one hit wonders. Landry Fields. <laughs> Josh Jorts Harrelson or Earl Barron. This could be like 50,000 oh, yeah. names. I had already okay. forgotten Mindaugas Kizminskis if you want to throw him in there. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm going to go with Landry Fields because I really feel like if you want to know why, why Mike D'Antoni should be in the Hall of Fame, the conversation around Landry Fields is why. He turned Landry Fields. People were like, man, Landry Fields, five tool player. This is like, you know. That's a good point. He can do it all. Well, he fits anywhere. Fit, what do you need? Like, you need him to take the ball up? He can take the ball up, play defense, move the ball, shoot. He does a little bit of everything. They were like talking about him like a, like a mini Kirilenko. And that's all because of Mike D'Antoni and the Mike D'Antoni system. 
Uh, George was great just because he looked like a guy who should be like shoveling uh, dirt at Four Seasons Landscaping. But I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Landry Fields because, again, I think that that is I'm going to say start him okay. because that's that's Mike D'Antoni's peak. Yeah, I mean, he got paid by the Raptors, did he not? Mm-hmm. Like, he did, uh, he really did. Know, like a $19 million deal or something like that, $18 million? Proud of him. Can't sign Steve Nash, we got to yeah. sign Landry Fields. <laughs> that's right, that's right, okay. All right, next category, another great Knicks, uh, another great Knicks category, the past his prime Knicks, somebody that gets oh, there wow. at the end of his career, start bench cut, Knicks Rasheed Wallace, Knicks Jason Kidd, and this is a weird one. Nick's Pablo Prigioni. Mm. He was a rookie when he was there, uh, but the tough. oldest rookie of all time. I mean, this goes all the way back to Nick's Rolando Blackman, who many <laughs> argue should have been on the court for the finals against the Houston Rockets. I think that, um, wow, this is really tough. Prigioni is beloved in a way that I don't, I think that non Nick's fans can't really understand. He was so smart and he really made a difference every time he was on the court. Incredible defensive player. Had an ability to, like, steal the inbounds pass that, yes. was, oh, yeah. that was just unbelievable. Yep. The way he would do that. Like a real mugger out there. <laughs> um, I, oh, gosh, this is so tough. I'm going to go with Prigioni. I'm going I'm to start Prigioni. Uh, bench. Wow. Oh, that's tough. Tough call. Yeah, it's so tough. Uh, bench, Jason Kidd. I want him out there. He fell apart at the end of the season, but you know what? Like, as a ball mover, as an off-guard ball mover, he's, and I, I mean this sincerely, was one of the best Knicks point guards of the last 20 years, which is yeah. sad. He was 40. True. Yeah. Yep. And he could not move, but he really made a difference at that advanced age. And then... I guess I cut. I, I unfortunately I'm going to cut Sheed just because he, he was really hampered by injury, but he was such a presence. What an incredible presence he was. Prigioni, I love you. I love Pablo Prigioni, and I miss him to this day. I wish he had come. I wish he had come to the Knicks at a, at an age where we could have played him and started him. It does kind of feel like he's going to go down in NBA history as the best at stealing an inbounds pass. Which you know you got to be the best at something. That's not bad. What a weird. What an absolutely weird talent. That and passing up a wide open shot. Like that's the other thing he was great at. If there was a wide open lane to to make a layup, he'd just pass it to an, to anybody else. Like he, you'd have to beg him to shoot, but I loved him. Well, Skeets is always telling me the Madison Square Garden is the best place to say to see a game. It is. I I'm a gleeful Knicks hater, but some say It's okay. That the league is better when the Knicks are good. So I'll, I'll throw you a bone here. Start bench cut. A 90s Knicks legend. Oakley, Starks, and Mason. Oh, wow. I'm going to... Okay, this is... I'm going to start Mason because he was really a player ahead of his time. You know, power forward size, brought the ball up. Um, small ball before we knew of such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, point forward, they would call it at the time. And uh, had just an incredible skill set for the, uh, for the considering the bruising physique and, and physical style of play that he was capable of playing. So start, Mason. I'm going to bench. I'm going to bench, have John Starks come off the bench, which is how he should have 
if if the Knicks were a properly balanced elite team, John Starks would have come off the bench his entire career. I respect mm. John Starks. I love right. John Starks. Guy was bagging groceries, played for a million fucking colleges, and snuck his way into the league. Should not have been a starting <laughs> two guard in the NBA on a really good team. Right. Like, the fact that it was your offensive... Uh, you know, options were Patrick Ewing, who was averaged like 20, 23 a game. And then John Starks, who one game would score 28 on like eight of eight. And the next night couldn't find the backboard. It was just not, it was not great. Of course, he played his heart out every night. And then I guess I'd, it, I don't want to cut Charles Oakley, but I already have a power forward. So <laughs> I'm going to... And and again, we need guards, so I feel like we could we could play John Starks at guard right now. <laughs> so I'd have to cut Charles Oakley, even though I don't want to, and I loved Oak. Sounds that like somebody's trying shot. to get in James Dolan's good graces. <laughs> Charles Oakley, I don't know about this. Uh, NBA bubble ended about a month ago. Yeah, some great basketball, but some better comedy bits that we saw throughout the bubble. So start bench cut these comedy bits from yes. the NBA bubble. Number one, Steve Javi coming on and confirming the call. Number two, the Clippers blowing a 3-1 lead. And number three, Jimmy Butler's big face coffee. Wow. Uh, Easy start for me. I'm going to go with Steve Javi, who (laughs) I don't want to say that that desktop played a role in in some of the way Javi's hits changed down the stretch. Mm. He, He became quite defensive down the stretch and there was a really startling moment during the finals where like Mark Jackson defended him for making a for making a really decisive call. Uh that said, one it was absolutely one of my favorite running subplots of the of recent years was Steve Javi coming out to analyze a call, wasting time until the call is made on the floor, and then absolutely agreeing with the call. <laughs> <laughs> it was no just what. It was amazing. Amazing stuff. So Steve Javi start. Um, I guess, you know what? I'm going to bench Big Face Coffee. I, it was really fun, and I thought it was a joke, but then as time went on, it, it, it became clear that it really was serious. And I just think, you know, I think Jimmy Butler is is one of the most fun players to have in the league and to talk about right now, just for a million different reasons, Big Face Coffee being one of them. And then I'm just gonna I'm I'm cutting the three one lead for the Clippers because like I'm bored of it at this point. You guys get it together, get your act together. What is happening over there? I, I'm just tired of talking about it. Like you have two of the best players in the league on the perimeter, a team that was that should dominate defensively, and you just flat out choked. Mm. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm cutting you. <laughs> I think that's fair. I do think it was hilarious, though, to see off-season projections and everything says, the Clippers, they need a second playmaker out there. They need another guard. Yeah. What? What are we talking about here? <laughs> They're incredible team on paper. Like, I, th- I, if you listen, at the beginning of the season, I was like, listen, it's going to be Clippers, Lakers, and I think the Clippers just match up with the Lakers in a way that should allow them to win, and I was wrong. I was clearly wrong. There's something, um, something, something not quite right about that team. Obviously, 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Our final start bench cut. You're a survivor guy, if I'm not mistaken. Start bench cut. These survivor legends, Austin Robb, Sandra Diaz-Twine, and Tony Vlacos. I'm going to start Tony. I think he's the greatest that's ever done it. I think that the game has changed a lot in recent years. The pace of movements has is completely different than it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Like you go back and watch heroes versus villains, for instance. And it, it's a lot of like long running alliances. And the way the game is played now is just like move, you know, alliances last as long as a game or a couple of moves. And then you move on to something else. Right. Yeah. And I think Tony's natural pace of play is perfectly fitted to that. The fact that he was able to win and the way he won this this past season, despite everybody understanding that he was a huge threat, <laughs> I think it's just a credit to him as a player. Like, I don't think the guy sleeps. Mm. You know, he's climbing trees. He's burying himself underground. It's like, what more could he do? I'm going to go with him. Second, Sandra being the first uh, two-time winner, and some of the moves that she has made over the years are just cold-blooded. And I think the fact that she could do it without ever being a physical threat shows you how good she is as a strategic player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to go Sandra. And then yeah, I'm going to get a lot of hate for this. But like, I think I think Boston Rob's overrated, folks. Oh, I, there's some spice? I think he's overrated. I think if you look at... People will say, right, that he was one of the first players to understand that he was on the show and really understand the importance of nailing a confessional mm-hmm. as part of the gameplay, right? And I think that that was, I think that's true. He was very self-aware. But, like, if you look at his win, where they brought him in after the fact with these really newbies who were just kind of in awe of him. Oh, yeah, he was the godfather, yeah. There was the godfather. And he, they brought him and Russell in, and then Russell was eliminated early after they had already kind of introduced, like, all the players. I think that, that that's one of the more boring seasons of Survivor because Rob really dominated these younger, more naive players from basically start to finish. There was, like, a... There was a... a, a a group that was against Rob that never had the numbers. They were like four, six, four, five, four, six. And instead of like ever trying to have an alliance, they just like sat by themselves around the fire and like <laughs> yeah. griped. So it was never, they never really played. They handed it to him. I personally think Parv is a better player than Boston Rob, mm. like a way better player. So I'm going to cut Boston Rob. I appreciate everything he's done for the franchise, but I think he's overrated. <laughs> would you uh, Would you ever go on Survivor, Jason? Would you ever I do it? Do, I, I would do it, although I think I would die. I think I'd be <laughs> one of these people that like gets gets like a fever or I forget the name of the guy who like broke his back on the boat or the boat oh, like hit yeah. a wave. <laughs> yeah. How about the guy I that mean, ate so much steak and he couldn't take a dump? So they're yeah. like, he's got to go. He's got to go. I think it would be. I think it would be something like that. Like I would get bitten by a bat, or I yeah. would like, or I would get an infected like uh, cut, and I would end up dying or just getting swept out to sea or something. <laughs> My girlfriend and I are always joking because you know we're on the smaller side, and we're always like, do you think we're bigger than that? Than whoever that is, like that's playing right now. Are we taller than Sandra Diaz? One, and so we're always like, whenever we rewatch a season of Survivor, we'll be like, uh, we'll in, we'll impersonate Jeff, being like. 
And now Jason's being swept out to sea. He's gone. He's sinking under the waves. I think he's drowned. That's it for him. Um, I think that's only snuffs your torch. <laughs> right, and he just snuffs it. Like Jason's face down in the sand. They're stepping on his back. He's got like whenever they have like those those uh, challenges where people are like wrestling in the mud. I'm like, yeah, forget it. That's not. Gonna, it's not going to happen. I die. Uh, yeah, but you're charismatic. Would, you're intellectual. You I would love to do it. You're playing chess out there. Yeah. I would love to do it, although I don't know how well I would do. But I would, I would absolutely love to play. The island itself might kick your ass is basically yeah, what you're saying. 100% would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll have to have you back on whenever Survivor finally launches again and we yes. can talk. No buffs. We can't wait to see what's next. If the people somehow don't know where to find you, let them know. I'm at uh, at network on Twitter. Stay tuned to that space for uh, my crooked media content at the end of this year. Excellent. Thank you to everybody out there listening, whether it's on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, or any of the other players you use. Leave us a review if you can. They help for some reason, but nobody knows why. Jason, you're a guy who's at the top (laughs) of the charts a lot. What's up with these reviews? (laughs) Uh, You know, I don't read them. That's my. That's what I will tell you. I, do, I ask for great reviews, but I never read them. That's exactly right. We read them all the time, and we just obsess over them. Yeah. Obsess over them. Five stars only. But uh, with the draft and free agency coming up, you're also going to want to subscribe to The Athletic. Hit up theathletic.com slash nodunks to subscribe for a dollar a month. Just talk to John Hollinger about his mock draft. There's going to be a bunch more coming during this abbreviated offseason. It's going to be crazy, and you're going to want to stay up to date. You're watching on YouTube. Please like, subscribe, turn on notifications. We're on the road to 20K, which would be absolutely perfect for the 20, 20, 20, 21 season. (laughs) Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. You could stay. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.